In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of, um, of the month of Hatur. And uh, the Gospel is from chapter 14 of the Gospel of St. Luke on the cost of discipleship. And that Jesus, he commands that we must that we must hate everyone. And of course we understand that to mean that to love everyone and anything um, less than God. I, maybe I'll say we must love others less than God and hate everything. Um, and we must hate everything so that when we're invited to the banquet of God, which is which, this passage follows the 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 parable of of the of the banquet, in which those who were invited didn't show up because they all had excuses and obligations, and so they couldn't come to the banquet that that the master had invited them to, and it was the it's it's symbolic, of course, of the father who who is offering his who who through the offering of his son is inviting everyone to come and and partake and they say oh well i just i have i just got married i have a wife so i have to you know i have to attend to that and i have uh you know to attend to my the animals and my cattle and whatnot so all of these excuses and obligations and so today he gave us the analogy to teach us the importance of breaking away from these attachments and he gave us the analogy of building a tower and so we come to know two things, is that we have to know what we are building, and the tower that he's speaking of here is the tower of our spiritual life. The stones that are used to build them are the virtues that we constantly strive for. And then the second is that we have to consider the cost for the project. What is required to stack the stones? What has to be demolished? How much will it cost to finish the tower that has to withstand earthquakes and strong winds and hurricanes and so forth, a.k.a. these, you know, uh, a.k.a. fighting against what, what we have to withstand, which is the, are the temptations in the world. And we have to identify exactly who and what we are up against and what our hurricanes and what our winds are so that we build our virtues against them. And he says that one of those attachments that we must hate is ourselves because we have our own self-interest. We have our selfishness. Maybe it's for us it's you know, anger, laziness, financial security, neediness, you know, lack of priority, excess of stuff, video gaming and drinking, lust, etc. And it's not hard to find out what they are. If we want to know what they are, we can always ask um, our family members or our close friends, and, and they'll be willing to tell us. And at times, maybe it's not even when we ask, but, um, but we can know exactly what are the things that we are up against. And on top of that, God warns us to love each other less than Him because whether intentionally or not, sometimes we are the reason why, um, why we drift from God, that we are the reasons towards each other. Um, why our children, our parents, our siblings drift from God. For parents, sometimes you know, our kids want to fast and we say, no, don't fast, you have to be strong and, and eat well. Um, but of course, we would lose it if our, if our kids have the grades that don't meet our expectations. You know, for children, sometimes, again, this doesn't, this, you know, it's not just for, the, for parents and adults, but also for, for the children, that sometimes our parents want to come to liturgy on time, but children whine and say, liturgy is too long, or I'm so hungry, like, please let me eat breakfast, and so forth, causing everyone to be late. But we'll totally lose it if, uh, if, if they don't get their way in anything else. And that's why Christ is saying, don't put all your hope into each other. Put it in God first and then others. 
When I focus on God, we might feel like it's too risky. I, I say I can't change, or I'm so immersed in what I like, or I don't know where to start, or, well, these things are so important, I just can't let go. And to change our focus requires us to change, and we may not know where to start, but firstly, we can't become victims to ourselves. We become helpless. And it's like, it's like when they train uh, you know, baby elephants for the circus, they tie a rope around their necks and they tie the other end to a stake that they put into the ground. And the elephant just stays there until it no longer pulls anymore. And even though it has become large enough that it can pull the stake out of the ground and just walk wherever it wants to, it doesn't because it's just so stuck in its way that it's just used to staying put. And so it doesn't try anymore. And we are the same, that, that we sometimes are just stuck in our ways. But there is hope. It requires awareness. It requires that we count the cost. And it requires help. It requires support. And St. Paul, he says in Romans, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. St. Paul is saying that in the daytime, we're able to see what's going on around us. We tend to recognize that we really only have the morning until maybe 5 p.m. before that we have, that's the only time we have in order to really complete the things that we, we really need to get done. And so we tend to preoccupy ourselves with good and meaningful things during those times, fulfilling our duties, helping others, maybe serving in some way, working, attending a service, and so forth. Because we, will, we know that we will lose our opportunity to do anything meaningful after it hits 5 or 6 p.m., and so St. Paul is saying, treat your spiritual life as if it is only daytime that exists. For us to treat our spiritual life as if all we, all we experience is from the morning to 5 or 6 p.m. The second thing for us to, rec is to recognize is the power that God has put in us and how important it is for us to focus on godliness, to regard his presence in us. There was this brother, like he was trying to commit himself to, to the monastic life, and he had, he had to leave the monastery, and he passed through a small village, and he saw this young woman, and she was a daughter of a pagan priest, and, and told the pagan priest to give his daughter to him as his wife. And he said, I must ask, I must ask the gods, of course, the devil, who told him that as long as he's willing to deny God, to renounce his baptism and also his monastic vows, then, then give, him, give, him, give your daughter to him. So he told the brother, and the pagan priest immediately found that when the brother agreed to those three conditions, that the Spirit of God went out from the brother's mouth in the form of a dove and ascended to heaven. This is what the, the pagan priest saw. So the pagan priest went back to his God, went back to Satan, and told him what the brother committed to. And the devil answered him, and he said, You shall not give him your daughter, for his God has not departed from him.
for he is still helping him and will accept him if he repents. And so the pagan priest went and told this to the brother and the brother realized what he had done. So then he went and stayed with an elder, uh, an elder in the desert who told him to fast for three weeks. And the, they prayed together and the elder would ask the brother each week, did you see anything? And he said, the first week I saw a dove flying in the heights of heaven. So he said, okay, pray harder with groans and, and sighs. Next week, did you see anything? I saw a dove draw near to my head. And the elder told him, okay, rise with supplications. And the last week, did you see anything? A dove stood on my head, so I stretched out my hand and it fled and entered my mouth. And the elder told him, God has accepted your repentance. The Spirit of God is sensitive to how we treat the vessel that is also his dwelling place. And so the Lord, the Lord today is, is saying that I invite you to my banquet, but in order to be invited or in order to come, I'm asking you to come. But to be able to come, you have to be able to leave everything. You have to be able to reject everything. Big things and little things draw us away from God, but no man, no woman, no child is worth coming in between my relationship with God, but welcome to join it. God rejoices in our repentance that is made possible if we don't fall victim to ourselves and if we recognize the greatness of him who dwells in us. And the third is that God will always strengthen and encourage us. And the church put for us the psalm that was chanted before the gospel today so that we don't get depressed. And the psalm says, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. O turn to me and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Amen.